Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Just Another Murder Cast. Take four. <laughs> Take four. Yay, Yay jam. jam. <laughs> so, <sighs> number three, Haley. Go ahead. Number three. So, Beth creates our episode guide for every episode. And, um,. Number three on today's episode guide says, introduce yourself. And I'm like, wait, have we ever done that? No, we've never done that. We I just think we've assume ever done that, that they know who we are at all. Yeah. So um, just, we've just, I mean, like y'all know our names, but like, are we anonymous? Kind of. But then no one would have listened. Okay. Maybe more people would have listened because they're like, they Here's don't know us. this murder cast. Mm-hmm. So Beth, you want to go first? Introduce yourself. What does that? Jump in. Jump out. Introduce yourself. <laughs> I said, jump in. Jump out. Introduce yourself. My name is Beth. Yeah. No. Okay. Go ahead. That was Haley. <laughs> um, my name is Beth. Yeah. I am a paramedic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and tell y'all. So. I've always been interested in true crime. Like, there's not a starting point. It just is what it is. It is what it is. But the first podcast I ever listened to was Serial. Okay. And that got me inter- interested in you know true crime podcast okay i'm Haley. hi Haley. <laughs> yeah um i <laughs> what is my job what is my job all the things um i do hair very well thank you um i have a clothing store i um we have a playground business i have two kids and my um, podcast so you do a lot of things so I do one thing a lot of the time. You do a <laughs> lot of things all of the time. I enjoy it. So I got into podcasting. Somebody kept talking about Up and Vanished. And I was like, let me give this thing a try. Well, I gave it a try and I never stopped. So that's what really got me into it. And there's that. Okay. So do you have any comments? I don't. Like whenever I ask you if you have any comments. Oh, I don't have any comments. I don't think. Besides, this is take four and I'm already fucking over it. So, so is Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, do you have any comments? Um, so I'm going to just talk about the next thing. So next on our list is our shout outs. We like to do our Apple podcast shout outs. <laughs> I love this. Nobody. No. Nobody, nobody likes us. It's likes fine. Us. It's fine. No one's given us a new review. We no. have the same amount as we had last week. And it is do you ever check Spotify? No. Oh, I mean, I don't really know how to check any of it. I so. don't. I don't know how to check Spotify. I know how to check check Apple Podcasts. I know how to check Apple Podcasts. I do that one. I usually do it a few times. So, like, when I start to type this up, and then the day that we're doing it, bef- like, I finalize it, right? Just in case I missed one. There's no one. No, no one likes us. Not fine. even a new one star review. No <laughs> one likes us. No one hates us. It's just nothing. Listen, silver lining is like at least it's not negative, right? So are we doing this for nobody? We're doing it for me and you and Candy. <laughs> <laughs> Love Thanks, her. <laughs> All right. Warning. Hey, guys. This is a murder podcast. It's we about, talk murder. about murder. Yeah. Like it's in the name murder cast. We use colorful language. So like if that's going to put your panties in a wad, pull your big girl panties up. But like, then go find another podcast because this one ain't for you. It is not for you. Um, Everybody else. Well, leave uh, us a review. Sorry. Ooh, I'm going to have to normalize that sound. Yes, you are. Okay. Leave us yeah, a review. Leave us reviews. We like it. Like, we you need can, it. You can give us a two-star review and be no, like. No, but don't. Don't. If you do, put your name on there. Yeah. Put your, like, Own tell up us, to tell it. Us why. Don't tell be a bitch. Tell us, tell us what you want from us. Okay? Keyboard warrior. You can only do so much. <laughs> why am I so defensive today? Like, Haley is angry. <laughs> Take one, two, and three was not quite this bad. <laughs> All right. Rock, paper, scissors. You ready? Loser goes, Loser goes first. Fuck your rock, paper, scissors. Let's You're go. You're just mad because... Oh, by the way, oh. that was another comment. You ready? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I put the, the rock, paper, scissor tally on mm-hmm. all the, like, description of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I was doing that last week, and I realized this doesn't add up to 10. Well, we had the one that you weren't in it, and we mm-hmm. don't count Jordan winning because it, I didn't win, and I don't want to count it. But it still didn't add up to the amount of podcasts. I had skipped one. Which one? It was one that I won. Don't worry. Ah. So, I have fixed that on last week's episode. Mm-hmm. So, I still win a lot. Whatever. All, All right, right. Paper, you scissors. You might win this time. <sighs> Roses are red. 
Oh wait. <laughs> I, only, <What> the? <laughs> I only did two pumps. <laughs> Sorry, I did she rock did paper. Rock paper. Go. <laughs> I did win. I still thought she was gonna do it. Okay. I was like, why are we so slow? <laughs> All right, I got this. You ready? Rock paper. <laughs> Motherfucker! I thought you would change from scissors because I. Oh, okay. I hate rock paper scissors. It's stupid. If you want to do best two out of three. No. Okay, good. Because I'd still win. Mine today is, it's, I mean, it's pretty good. Not as good as last week. I'm not going to cry. You know why? Like, this week, I'm just really, like, oh, I mean, what's the word? What's the word? TMI. I'm really fucking tired this week. Like, I'm on my period. And, like, <laughs> I am just exhausted. Like, 100%. I get it. Like, I cannot... Usually, I, like, get up happily at, like, 5.30, 5.45 because I like to have my time in the morning by myself because it's the only time in the day that I have without a child. Because you're or, a crazy person. Got it. Like, and this week, I've not been able to do that. And then I wake up late, and then I'm just ill, and I'm just so tired. Picture this. October 11th, 2003, Tampa, Florida. Oh, because, you know, I'm over Georgia. Yeah, I'm... Believe me, I've noticed. We're both gonna be over Georgia next week, like over. Nah, I'm still gonna be. I'm still gonna be holding strong in Georgia. You hold strong, baby. Not I. Okay, boom. Nine one one gets a phone call. This is it. So that is a 911 phone call from the voice of Tim Permenter, who had just discovered his girlfriend's body in her home. The victim, I put blank years old because I meant to find her age, but never mind. By the way, it sounded like a girl. He was crying. The victim was blank year old, Tampa resident, former Delta Airlines flight attendant, Karen Pinnell. So, she was actually still employed, but, like, in the verge of quitting because she had just been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So, she was in the process of leaving her job. This was also the reason her boyfriend, Tim, had gone to check on her early that Saturday morning. She had recently started blacking out as a side effect, so he was really worried when she didn't answer the phone. When investigators arrived, they found her body in the kitchen. Stabbed to death with the letters R-O-C written on the wall next to her in her own blood. What a weirdo. And there was also blood like on her fingertips. And it says NERP. <laughs> By the way, did you blank her age but then gave her name? <laughs> I didn't I didn't find out her age. That's and why. And then she still bleeped it. Like <laughs> magically we're going to be able to go back and add it's that. It's fine. Y'all figure out how old she is. Y'all Google that yourselves. Okay, it's not in this episode. <laughs> yep. While processing the scene, they also noticed the pizza, a pizza box with a receipt from the night before. The time stamped was 8 to 48 p.m. Investigators quickly learned that the letters ROC were indicative of Karen's ex-boyfriend, Rock Herpic. And he looked like a total douchebag. Sounds like his parents hated him. That's a terrible name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looked like a total douchebag. And like when he's talking, he looks like he's laughing. So apparently the two had a bitter breakup the year prior. And according to Karen's family, Herpic had a serious drug addiction, which led to the breakup. The two also had a rocky relationship. There were multiple incidents where police were involved due to domestic-related calls. Police questioned Rock the next day, saying, We have questions about one of your friends. He said, Who? Police said, Karen Pinnell. Rock said, Well, what did she do now? Police said, It's not what she did, because she's dead. Rock denied having anything to do with Karen's murder. He said he hadn't seen her in six months. Although... With the lack of forced entry into the house and his name on the wall, it was obvious police initially, it was obvious why police initially named him the murderer. I mean, nothing was stolen or broken. It was clear that this was a hatred for Strictly Karen. However, Rock had a, Rock had a rock solid <laughs> alibi and it checked out. Well, and who also like would think like 
stabbed to death. Now sign my name. Right. <laughs> well, it had. I think it they thought hard, but he he made it look like she signed it. Yeah, it looked like she, she wrote it with her uh, fingers. Okay. Yes. I thought he meant like he signed his name. I'm like oh. what fucking dipshit killing <laughs> no. people writing their name afterwards. All right. Meanwhile, the medical examiner was looking into any other clues as to what happened to Karen. That's what they were doing. What had happened to Karen, guys? <laughs> she got stabbed. <laughs> They discovered that she had been stabbed. <laughs> Winner. 17 times. Jesus. They also found skin cells under her fingernails, but the DNA test came back inconclusive. But her autopsy did provide something that made police tilt their heads just a wee bit. So remember the pizza box. It had three slices missing, but Karen had nothing in her stomach. So they interviewed the he pizza man. At least let her eat pizza first. What right. a jerk! So they interviewed the pizza man. He said that he was the one who answered the door, but he didn't remember seeing anybody. Wait, the pizza man answered. I the mean, door? he delivered it to the door. Karen answered the door, and he didn't remember seeing okay, anybody. Anyone else there. Right. I'm like, he answered. He okay, delivered. The answered the own door. <laughs> He's confused. Like, oh, come on in. <laughs> this is pre-COVID, so it's not like just leave it and run. <laughs> so police start again from square one. They decide to call Tim, Karen's current-ish boyfriend, but he had an alibi. He was at a cabin with friends at Moon Lake that night, which also checked out. The police knew Rock had an, an alibi, so they looked further into autop- into her autopsy to see what could help them. As it turns out, one of her stab wounds was a big one. It had severed her T8, which means it would have partially paralyzed her. Which, from experience, I think, right, tell me if I'm wrong, um, your thoracic, I don't know if I say that right, yeah. affects the trunk of your body. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, it would have paralyzed her abdominal muscles, right? And like, so it's oh, and it's your circulatory system, too. It's several, severed, severed T8. So, anything below that would, would not work. Usually, usually what it is is the nerves come out and then kind of mm-hmm. go down, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'll still have a little bit past it, and it's just because that's where the nerves are falling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, thoracic, that's you're basically your whole, where all your ribs are connecting into yes. it. Yes. I so, put, so, if it was in the trunk of the area, abs and all, it and it was severed, she wouldn't be able to really move the top half of her trunk, right? Um, also, she had two major stab wounds to her pectoral muscles, as well as the kicker, her aorta. Meaning... She would have been unable to physically roll over and write her name in the blood. Also, with her aorta, you know, then she wouldn't have time. Yeah, she wouldn't have had enough blood pumping through her fingertips Mm -hmm. um, to write it on the wall. And she wouldn't have had enough muscle or, you know, whatever it's called, strength to continuously dip her finger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what they were saying. But with the stab wounds in her in yeah, her chest it would have been really hard for her to write yeah. it on the wall like right. maybe on the floor or something like that i can see but not on, on a wall and to continuously her. have to dip it write it dip it write it oh also her finger wasn't bleeding so there was no blood on i mean there was blood on her finger from where she had written but none of her hands were bloody it wasn't like she pricked her finger and right the blood. there was no cuts or wounds mm-hmm. to her fingers blood splatter expert sheriff cox with the county sheriff's office said that whoever wrote the name did it so long after the attack that the letters were written over impact splatter that had already dried. Hmm. How stupid <laughs> do you have to be? Yeah. I'm going to come back later and be like, you know what? Let me write that name. <laughs> Solid. Karen Pinnell's family also told Sheriff's Office that she was strictly left-handed and the name was written with her right hand. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Investigators decide to dig a little more into Karen's past when Timothy tells them they should probably look into her ex-husband, Jeff Payne, because Karen was actually taking him back to court to get higher alimony. Remember, she was recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, so she was afraid that her insurance wouldn't cover her medical bills or medical needs. But psych, Payne was actually 300 miles away. So, not him. On to the next one. Police discover that Karen was actually dating a few men. And before anyone says, oh, okay, ho, uh, men can do it and it's okay. Uh, Play that feel, baby. Also, she was going through a really rough time in her life. Maybe it was like her way of coping was just, you know. Women have needs. They do. So it says, do you, baby boo. 
Karen was also seeing a British airline pilot. But luckily for this bastard, they never released his name because you know what? He was married. Bless his little heart. It says, release it. For the love of God, release it. For his wife's sake, release it. Right? She deserves to know. She deserves. Surely she knows by now. If not, if your husband, if your husband. If your husband. If your man is a British airline pilot, baby girl, call me. What year was this? 2003. If he was a British airline pilot in 2003, give us a call. (laughs) He called her sex bomb, according to her text messages. But also, luckily for this trifling ass man, he was out of the country. Which I like, wish it was him because he's a jerk. I mean, I don't wish it was any. Never mind. (laughs) While questioning some of Karen's friends and family, one of her friends remembered a story Karen had mentioned just a few days before. Karen told them that her and Tim were watching a TV show about crazy past and skeletons in someone's closet. And Karen was like, this shit is crazy. How can people have skeletons like this and not tell anyone? When Tim turned to her and said he had been keeping a secret. He turns his computer on, showing her his mugshot where he had been released from prison just a year earlier. He told her he was still on probation from his crime. He said, yes, I'm a convicted felon. Then he goes on to tell her he had more than 16 crimes, including dot, 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 attempted murder and kidnapping, dating back to when he was in college. He was running an escort agency out of Gainesville, Florida, when he discovered that another escort service had taken some of his business, and he was pissed. So Tim and one of his friends hired one of the other escorts from the rival company, and when they got her to the hotel, they pulled guns on her. And they said, take us to your boss. So, he was a pimp. Mm-hmm. He hired a hoe. Mm-hmm. And to take him to her pimp. So, she took him to her boss, which ended in a shootout, getting himself shot twice. So, of course, he had to go to the hospital because he was like, oh, I got shot. And then the hospital was like, oh, you committed a crime. Yeah, gotta, so, gotta report this uh-huh. one. So he went straight from the hospital to jail for 12 years. He was actually sentenced to 20 years, um, but he served 12 and then got out on parole. When Karen found out found this out, she tried to end the relationship and tried to move on. Apparently, Tim wasn't happy. Karen's friends said he became stalkerish. He began snooping through her belongings and around her house to try and find anything he could to see, like, what she was doing, who she was with, I'll all that I'll tell you what I'm doing, not you. <laughs> Someone else, okay? I'm pretty sure he knew that. <laughs> so, one day, he actually found a used condom in her trash can outside, and he was furious. Uh, can I have a side note? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I got off work. Uh, the very last patient I picked up had a condom as a bracelet on his arm. Are you kidding? No. Used? Please don't say that. I did not investigate. <laughs> I just cut it off and threw it in the trash. Was she really- Shut up! Mm-hmm. Did you ask him about it? We didn't really get into that. That's fucking weird, man. Right? Like, like just you not- didn't ask him, like, excuse me, sir. Um, Do you realize that you have, like, um, a dick umbrella on your wrist? Didn't come up. And did it smell like rubber? I didn't smell it. I have to wear a mask. Um, in fact, I didn't even cut it off. My partner cut it off and threw it in the trash. Did y'all say, like, did she look at you like, Psst. No, so what had happened was he was laying on my stretcher, and I'm standing there, and she's standing there, and there's a cop standing there, and I, we're all staring at it. And I was like, is that? And she said, it is. And she took a pair of scissors and cut it off and threw it away. And the cop's like, why? And I was like, I don't I don't know, mate. a stinky bracelet. Okay, sorry. According to Detective Sergeant Michael Holbrook, this wasn't the first time Karen had problems with Tim in regards to her and other men. Karen's brother previously told him that there was a time that Karen called him and told him that he tried to choke her. He, of course, told her, like, you need to get a restraining order. But did she? Well, a restraining order is just a piece of paper. But if she had shopped at deadcardefense.com. Dot com! Good job! Permenter denied this and said, look, I have nothing to do with this. I told you I stayed the night with a co-worker at Moon Lake, which the co-worker corroborated. Then they checked his phone records. He had called the co-worker at 9.32, indicating that he wasn't there. 
and made that call from a cell tower a mile from Karen's house. Of course, he's like, that's impossible. I have an alibi. It checked out. So police were like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's look at this scene again. Specifically, that pizza box. We can't check his stomach for contents, but we can check it for fingerprints. The box. But here's the problem. Do you know how many people touched that pizza box? A shit ton. Right. Print examiner Bill Shade decided he would compare all of the fingerprints on the box. That takes some time. Time. And commitment. Yep. He started with the pizza delivery man. He started just to kind of like rule out. You know what I mean? Right. Or rule in, whatever. Started with the pizza guy. Started with Karen. And the people that worked Started at the store. with Rock. And his weren't on oh, there. Yeah. Lo and behold. Do you know whose prints were on that box? I forgot his name. Tim. Tim. Tim's. But this doesn't really prove much. He was the one that discovered her body. So when he went into the house, he could have touched the box. And ate three slices of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for the cops to get there. <laughs> he said he had no idea how that happened. He did not kill her. Was he right? Karen had skin cells underneath her nails, but those came back inconclusive. They were not a match to Tim's. They're not a match to anyone. However, they tested the DNA again. And while it didn't come back as a certain match to anybody, it did come back because of a new test as it was male DNA. But which freaking male was it? Remember, Tim had an alibi. So police sat down with him again. And he said, listen, I was with Karen Friday until about 7.30. And then I went home and I played video games with my roommate, George. And then we went to his girlfriend's house at the lake 25 miles around 9.30. That gives you 45 minutes. But wait. (laughs) If he was at the lake at 9.30, why did his call ping off the tower near Karen's house at 9.32 p.m.? Because he's lying. Then a neighbor came forward saying they saw Permenter's BMW parked outside of Karen's house that night. And then another neighbor came forward and said, wait a minute, I saw his car at her house at 5 a.m. Saturday morning. So investigators decided to question Tim's roommate again. And he finally gave a side of the story that the police needed. He said Permenter called him to me- and said, meet me at this gas station, in which he then told him about the killing. Police then charged him with the murder of Karen Pinnell in November of 2007, four years later. During the trial, Permenter continued to deny the claims, although many testified otherwise. Even the pizza man came back and said, you know what, like, wait, I remember I was having a conversation with her and I briefly saw a man back there and I saw this, I saw a BMW in the driveway. Like, where the fuck were you at then, pizza man? Right? You could have not told us this story four years ago? (laughs) Right. Tim then said maybe he had his times wrong when he left or when he called and all that kind of stuff, but he doesn't wear a watch, so he's probably just wrong about the times while he was wearing his watch. Yeah, you're wrong about the times because and you're you lying about her. a watch. You have it on your fucking wrist right now. You killed her and then you went to the lake. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, you still did it. Finally, police put all the pieces together and determined this is what happened. So Karen tried to break up with him because he's a bad guy. He came over trying to rekindle things. They ordered pizza but got into a heated argument when he picked up the knife and stabbed her over and over and over. And then he took her hand and wrote Rock's name in it on the wall trying to frame him but making a mistake using the wrong hand and then he ate pizza while he's trying to figure out what the hell he was going to do and then he called his roommate to try to establish an alibi after listening to all the bullshit the jury convicted him of first degree murder tim then asked so they sentenced him to life in prison right okay he then asked he's like i don't want to spend my life in prison that does not sound fun i would like to just go to the electric chair okay and the florida judge was like absolutely not you don't get to decide. That's you, kind of my job. <laughs> yeah. You will be sentenced to life in prison at Liberty Correctional Institution in Bristol, Florida. Enjoy, you dumb motherfucker. Life in prison. <laughs> I would like to cite my sources, please. Thank you. I got this episode from Forensic Files. The <laughs> the Cineholic.com, the Tampa Bay Times, and MonstersAndCritics.com. Thank you. Next. So all I'm saying. Don't, don't eat pizza. Well, don't murder someone. No. And then eat their food. And then eat their food. Don't murder someone in general. Don't murder someone. Eat their food. Park your car outside their house. Use uh-huh. their wrong hand to write the wrong name. Stop using your cell phone if you're trying to have an alibi. Like, 
be what better. do you do? Be better at being bad. Right. So this be guy, better at breaking the law. Be smarter about it. If you're do not do it. Turn your fucking phone off. Stop <laughs> calling. They can trace you. Turn your leave it at your friend's house. So this guy was a bad guy. Got sent to jail. Dated her and was like, "Hey, I did bad things." She broke up with him. He's like, "I'm not bad." Then he did a bad thing. Then he murdered her. <laughs> yep. So that is the story of um Tim Permenter. And you can currently write him. At, I'm just kidding. We're not going to write him. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not writing a, him. No, no. If you need a pen pal. Like that would, I don't know. Being in Florida for a week is good. But imagine spending the rest of your life in, in a jail Florida in Florida. prison where there's probably like not air at all. Oh, sweat shit. everywhere. Like, it, like no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Hard pass. Okay. Can I pick my jail? <laughs> no wonder he wanted the electric chair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to stay in jail in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm ready for round two. Let's do it, baby. Boo. Well, first. You know what this always reminds me of? What? I would really hate to end up on a murder podcast. Right. Yeah. You know what's a better idea? What? Shop at deadcrowdefense.com. What is that, Beth? They believe in defending the weak by putting more firepower into the hands of the good people. You can shop online at www.deadcrowdefense.com. They carry tasers, pepper spray, ass-beating batons, and so much more. These aren't the little stun guns that you can buy at the store. These are like actual shooting projectile tasers that shoot prongs. You don't have to be right up on somebody to tase them. You're going to be 15 feet away. Shit. This is the same as the Popo Carry, but it's made for you and me. Awesome. And they have ammo in stock, which everybody needs right now. Um, they have the best t-shirts, hats, and even dad visors to rock that dad bod. All mm-hmm. of their orders ship out the very next business day. And even sometimes not on the business days. Oh, yeah. Yours came like boop. Yeah. Yep. If you don't see anything that you need, uh, y- you can do a custom order. Just email sales at deadcrowdefense.com. Use the code YAYJAM at checkout for 10% off all of your items. Thank you so much for sponsoring us and giving our listeners 10% off. Yes. Don't get murdered. Shop at deadcrowdefense.com. All right. Round two. Round two. You do ready? Do it. Do it. Yeah, ready? I'm so excited. So, uh, y'all know about Jack the Ripper, right? Yes. Okay. Kind of. So, he is the unknown serial killer that terrorized London in 1888. Yes. Uh, he killed female prostitutes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you know about the Atlanta Ripper? Oh, um, heard about it. Okay, good. Well, end the podcast. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> That's my story today. Is it really? Yeah, I'm doing the Atlanta Ripper. Like, is that it? <laughs> Alright. Uh, so the Atlanta Ripper is not as well known and he has way more murder victims. Maybe. So from nineteen ten to maybe nineteen twenty four, the Atlanta Ripper murdered over twenty black women all over the Atlanta area. And by all over I mean not really all over, but over Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the nineteen tens. Mm-hmm. Segregation is a thing. Racism is on an all time high. There are even white residents that hold meetings. In hopes of coming up with different ways to keep black families out of their neighborhoods. Ew. Right? The newspapers, they're for their white readers. Uh, they're not for the black people. So, with all that being said, mm-hmm. these murders were not heavily publicized. Because it was black members of the community getting murdered, they are not as well known as Jack the Ripper that killed white women. Really? Yeah. Aw. These murders did eventually get some attention. I mean, obviously, because I've read about it. But not near enough what they deserved. I mean, o- over 20 women were killed. And I've lived in Georgia my entire life and not really know anything about this case. Right. Poor reporting makes it really hard to know exactly who the first victim is mm-hmm. and when they were killed. It's also hard to prove that each of the victims that are listed are 100% killed by the Atlanta Ripper. And it's possible that there are some other victims that were killed by him that aren't listed because... You know, we just they didn't. don't know how to link it all together. Yeah, we just had a trouble with that. So, some of these people could have been killed by a copycat, someone that wanted it to look like it was the serial killer. We don't really know. And like I said, there's a long list of victims, so we're gonna go through all the victims pretty fast. Are okay. they like? I know not all of them are like for sure, but is there are these like twenty like for sure he did, 
Or these are just what most people think. These are the ones that they have linked to him. So, like, are officially linked to him. So, Monday, October 3rd, 1910, at the intersection of Atlanta and West Point Railroad Track, a 23-year-old cook, Maggie Brooke, is found dead. She had a fractured skull. Mm. Saturday, January 22nd, 1911, at Gardner Street. Rosa Trice is 35, and she's found dead only 75 yards from her house. Like Maggie, her skull is crushed almost completely. Ugh. And she has been stabbed and her throat cut to the point that her head is almost removed from her body. Stop. So some of these that I read had Rosa as the first victim, Mm -hmm. and Maggie was not listed as the first victim. But then a lot of them had Maggie listed as the first victim. I mean, it has similarities, so it makes sense that she was. So, two hours after Rosa is found, they arrest her husband for murder. But he's released the very next day after police can't find any evidence to link him to the murder whatsoever. Like, they just were like, oh, well, it was obviously her husband that did it because she's dead. It was him. They arrest him, and they're like, oh, we have nothing to say that you did this, so we'll have to let you go. Um, The Atlanta Constitution does write this murder up. Gory details and all, everything about it, but it's not, like, front page. It's, like, of course not. Buried in the back. Sunday, February 19th, 1911, at West Point Belt Car Line, which is just outside the city limits. The body of a black female is found in the woods. She appears to be in her 20s, and like the other two, her skull is crushed. And police believe that she was killed a day or two before, but she's never identified. Hmm. So we don't know who she is. Sunday, May 28th, 1911, at Garbaldi Street, Mary Bell Walker is Why found. Why have I heard that name? Because she was murdered by the Atlanta River. I feel like I've heard that name. Mary Bell Walker or mm-hmm. Girl Baldy Street? Mary Bell? Mm-hmm. Okay. So she is found 25 yards from her home. She's found by her sister. Her sister went looking for her after she didn't return home. She also worked as a private cook in a home on Cooper Street. Her throat, like the other, had been cut. And there's no mention of her skull being crushed, but it probably was. Yeah. The newspapers do report this. But it reads, a Negro woman was killed with no clues. That's it. That's probably all we've had. Yeah. On Thursday, June 15th, 1911, Crog and DeKalb Street, and close to the Southern Railway, Addie Watts is found in some shrubs. Police believe that someone hit her in the head with a brick or a coupling pin from the train and then stabbed her in the skull and slit her throat. And then they drug her into the bushes near the tracks. Mm. So we're what? One, two, three, four, five murders in. Mm-hmm. And they just now start saying that this could be a serial killer. Um, a serial killer that plays on black young women. And they say, or they wonder if it's a black butcher killing in the city. How what was the time span from first to? So the first one that I have is October 3rd of 1910. And this fifth one is June 15th, 1911. So you're looking at seven months? Yeah. Six to eight months, I guess. This article also is only four paragraphs long and spends more of its time comparing the murders with Jack the Ripper. Hmm. But this is only one newspaper that says this. All the other newspaper articles deny that there's any connection between the five women murdered. <laughs> Saturday, June 24th, 1911, White and Lawson Streets. Lizzie Watkins is found. Her throat is cut and her body is drugged to the location where they actually found it. So these murders now are starting to make the front page of the newspapers. About fucking time. Right? Six people in and they're like, front page. Yeah. Um, Most of it was that they were having problems hiring help. For what? Because they were black working women. Like most of them were cooks and stuff. So now they had a hard time. They're like, hey, job opening. Right? And that it's a problem because now you're killing. I'm going to need you to stop getting murdered. Right? You're killing You're killing all of our cooks. We have to cook for ourselves, and it's a problem. Oh, my God. I hate people. Right? So, finally, these new newspapers start to actually link all of them together. Um, they also link the fact that they all occur on the weekends and that all the women are killed in similar ways. And that's by being choked into being unconscious. Then they're assaulted, killed, and mutilated in the same areas of the body. Although I don't know what areas those are. 
Um, the victims aren't raped, though. They were never raped. But the so it's a hate crime. What I think. Yeah. This what if like if here's what I would do as an investigator. First of all, it's somebody that works Monday through Friday. Okay. Right. Wouldn't that make sense? Also, it's a hate crime. It's not like a crime of like passion. It's not a sexual thing. It's literally. I think it's a racial uh, hate crime. Well, it says that they're not raped, but because of the mutilation, it makes the killings appear sexual in nature. Mm-hmm. So it may be that they... <coughs> they stab their breast or vagina. Right. And so yeah. then maybe that was how they get off, not by actually raping these women. Yeah. All right. July 1st, 1911, uh, near the Seaboard Railroad tracks, Lena Sharp, who is 40 years old, is murdered. Her body is found in a pool of blood and her throat is cut. Someone works the railroad. Yeah. So when Lena fails to return home from the market, her daughter Emma Lou goes out looking for her. Um, she mm. finds out that her mom never even made it to the market, and Emma Lou turns around to walk back towards home and like kind of look other places for her mom. While walking, a large black man with a wide-brimmed black hat stopped her and asked, "How you feel this evening?" What? She tried to continue home because, you know, like her mom's missing. She doesn't yeah. want to be there and wants to go home. And he says, don't worry. I never hurt girls like you. Holy shit. Yeah, but guess what? He then stabs her in the back. <gasps> so you never hurt girls like me, but you just stabbed me in the back. Liar. And then he runs away laughing. But, she, you know, what? as soon as she gets stabbed, she starts screaming and making a commotion. Um, she's able to get help. She survives her wounds, even though at one point the newspaper writes that she's not going to, but she she did. Um, and she did get a good look at the man who stabbed her. So it's believed that this is the same man that killed her mother, because this actually happened not very far from where her mother ended up being found, like two hours after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they believe that she's now seen the Atlanta Ripper. Bless her. How old was she? Uh, 20. And it's, that'd be even a hard one to link to it, just yeah. because he stabbed, like, yeah, that, that's the only correlation. Right. And you, he location. had already killed one. Yeah. Um, but the papers now report, and this is a quote, while the ordinary Negro murder attacks little attention, the police department was dot, 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 expecting a repetition of the long series of crime, which have baffled every effort of the detectives. Can you believe that? While the ordinary Negro murder attacks a little attention? Yeah. I can't believe it because people are fucking stupid. It's just the, the, the time period ignorant. and the areas. Yeah. yeah, it's ignorance. And so, Undertaker L.L. Lee ends up offering a reward for the capture of the man who killed Leanne Sharp, or Lena Sharp. He offers a $25... Wait, what's her last name? Sharp. Okay. He offers a $25 reward... What does that say, too, that it's the undertaker that does that? Right. Not law enforcement or... I was waiting on Haley to ask me how much that was in today's time. How much is that in today's time? $702.77. Oh, my God. I hate people. But at the same time, that's all he probably could... That's... I mean, that's really nice of the undertaker. You know what I mean? He's like, well, shit, if nobody else is going to do it, I guess I can step up. Here's what I have. Yeah. So, he urges others to open their pockets and increase the reward, which good I thought was him. good. And encourages all residents to help the police find the murderer. The coroner, though, Paul Dunhu, he says, all this is the killing of one man. So it can't be multiple people. I'm the coroner. I don't know. It's only one person. Yeah. So, that's What's why. the difference in the undertaker and the coroner? So the coroner is an elected official by the government who actually goes in there and pronounces and and does the legality of it. The so, undertaker yeah. is the one that goes and like dresses the body. The and mortician. It. Yes. yes. Got it. So. Who's right. the mortician here? I don't know. Oh, they have it's a bunch all, of them, right? Well, the... yeah, but I say that's all personal, you know, uh, choice. Guess I'm a mortician sometimes. Huh? I've done that here. Oh, well. Uh, and I'll never do that shit again. <laughs> nope. Nope. All right, well, Saturday, July 8th, 1911, on 4th Street, Mary Yadell, who is a 22-year-old cook, leaves the home of her employers, Mr. and Mr. Mrs. Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Seltzer. 
Well, she's walking by an alley when she hears a whistle, and she stops, and a large black man that she describes as tall and well-built starts moving towards her with cat-like tread. But she's not having it. She ain't going to stand around and get murdered. Good. So yeah. she screams, and she runs back to her employer's house, and Mr. I wrote Mrs., but it definitely was not the Mrs. It was Mr. Seltzer grabs his revolver and heads back to the alley, and that man is still there. <gasps> And he says, stop, or I'm going to shoot. And the man runs away. And he didn't shoot. He didn't shoot. Should have shot. And do call the police. Police come and investigate, but they're unable to find the man or anything else about him. Yeah. Because they don't care. So Sunday, July 9th, 1911, the first congressional church in the pastor, Henry Hugh Proctory, asked that every black resident fully cooperate with police and attempt to locate the killer. They request that black detectives are hired as they believe they will be better received by the black members of the community. And they, yeah, I agree. They've learned not to trust the current law enforcement right? status, so they want Nobody else is doing see. anything about it. Then Tuesday, July 11th, 1911, at Atlanta Avenue and Martin Street, Sadie Holly is found. She had been killed the day or the night before, and her skull was crushed in by a large stone. And police actually found that stone with blood on it next to her with her, hell, her hair comb right next to it. Her throat had been slashed so that her head was almost removed from her body, and her shoes had been cut from her feet. How? I don't know. Like, they just cut her shoes off? Apparently, this was a thing that the shoes were removed from the victims, but this is the first mention that I actually found of it. But they always slice, slice the throat. Yeah. Slash the throat. They cut the throat, and usually the head is bashed in. Okay. So, and then the mutilations and stuff, which aren't necessarily listed for each one, because, right. because of the delicate ma nature of all this, like, mm -hmm. it's not as widely publicized as the London ones, so it doesn't have all of the information for all of the attacks. Does that make sense? Right. But they're uh, close enough to be linked together. Yeah, they are linked together. Yeah. So within 20 minutes of Sadie being discovered, over 100 people arrive at the scene. Good. Finally. But they're not cops. They're onlookers. So they trash the scene. Shut up. Why? Because they're nosy. It's just like nowadays, the rubberneckers, you know, you want to take a good look. These people come. So by the time police arrive, there are over 500 people there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've kind of botched this investigation. Mm -hmm. that right. They well, they botched it from day one. Well, I mean, they did. I love that you're eating again. Sorry. You know, but th that doesn't make it easy for them to investigate. You don't go uh, no. traipsing through the crime scene. With all that being said, police make an arrest within 24 hours. Who? They arrest 27-year-old Henry Huff. He was the last person at the time that had been reported to be seen with Sadie. Um, one taxi driver says that he drops them off near where the murder occurred and that they had been arguing while they were in his cab. Ooh. When they find him, he has scratches on his arm and pants with bloodstains and dirt up to the knee. What? Um, okay. But after that, a witness comes forward and says that they saw her afterwards with 35-year-old Todd Henderson at a drugstore not far from the scene. So after the cab driver dropped those two off, somebody saw her with another man. Okay. So that man is also arrested. You remember Emma Lou, the 20-year-old that got attacked after her mom? Stabbed her in the back. Yeah. Yeah. They bring her in. Mm -hmm. And when she hears the voice of Todd Henderson, she shrinks back. Like, it frightens her. He, like, that's the man that did it. That's the man that stabbed me. Oh, my God. Um, and she believes that, you know, he, he attacked me. He killed my mom. But the papers don't think that this is enough identification. Because Todd claims if he was the killer... He wouldn't have killed all these other women. He'd have started with his wife. His wife nags him. He'd have killed her first. He also claims that he doesn't own a pocket knife or a razor. 
But police do investigate, and they find that the morning after Sadie's murder, he had dropped off a knife with a barber to be sharpened. So you said you don't own a knife, but you dropped one off. Did they go pick it up from the barber? I guess so. Um, they turned both of those two men over to the prosecutor. Like, police are like, hey, we investigated her. We arrested both these two men and the murder of Sadie. Now you finish our job? Yeah, we don't know who did it. Here you go. You figure it out. Oh, my God. So, finally, somebody else offers a reward for the capture. Governor Hoke Smith offers $250, which is $7,000.27.40 or 74 cents today. Okay. So finally it's getting attention that it deserves. Yes. On August 9th of 1911, the grand jury indicts Henry Huff for the murder of Sadie Holly and another man, John Daniel Huff, the two aren't related, um, is indicted for one of the other cases, but they don't say which case it is. They just <laughs> indict him. But while they're in jail, Thursday, August 31st, 1911, Blanttown in West Atlanta, between the railroad tracks, a 20-year-old Mary Ann Duncan is found, her throat slashed ear to ear, and her shoes were removed. So the same MO as the serial killer. But the two guys are already arrested. Already arrested. So obviously... Where's the big guy? What's his name? Tim Henderson. He's still arrested. He's still... So three guys are already still arrested. Okay. All right. So, so much for those being the roofers. Damn it. Um, Sunday, October 22nd, 1922, in Rockwell and Elizabeth Streets, Eva Florence is found in a field. Again, she has head trauma, but this time she's stabbed in the neck. It's not cut. Like, it's not slashed. That sounds like a um, copycat. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's also found out that during the police investigation that a gun had been fired near where the body was found. So, was it a copycat? Did the gunshot interrupt the killer? Like, did someone, like, was it a separate thing and the killer got interrupted, didn't have time to slash her throat, and ran off? Or did the killer fire a gun, like, maybe to scare her? How did they figure out a gun was fired in the area? Like, I guess just ask people? No, because, yeah, because of reports. Yeah. Like, reporting. Friday, November 10th, 1911, Connolly Street near Georgia Avenue, Minnie Wise is found in an alley. She had been hit with a rock, and her right index finger had been removed at the middle joint. Oh. Her shoes are also missing. Tuesday, November 21st, 1911, at Stewart Street and University Avenue, Mary Putnam is found buried under some loose dirt. She has a broken skull, her throat is cut, her chest is mutilated, and her heart is laying next to her. What? Yeah, cut her heart out and laid it next to her. Oh, my gosh. Police are able to bring in a bloodhound. Mm-hmm. The bloodhound is able to track the killer for 200 yards, but then loses the scent. Oh. Police, during this investigation, also find that another firearm had been discharged, and it, that happened around midnight. So they don't know if that was at the time of the murder, if it was a coincidence, what. It just right happened. They openly believe that this community knows who's doing the murders, but they don't want to come forward because they're afraid and they don't want to cooperate with police. Like, they're going to get killed right? if they come forward. Churches start to warn their women not to go out at night. It's even suggested that jealous black women are the ones responsible for all these killings. That's stupid. Right? Um, but the police didn't actually believe that. That was just one Friday, January 19th. 2000 and not 2012 long way (laughs) it's like a whole 100 years (laughs) a whole 100 years later so january 19th 1912 chestnut and west fair streets pearl williams is found a block from her home she was also a cook in a private home so she's been murdered as well march 1912 like i feel like it's just some rich white man you think so yeah okay okay We'll talk about stuff in a minute. Okay. In March of 1912, a paper reports that the grand jury believes that each murder has been done by a different man. No way! They don't believe that there's any relation to him at all. No. They don't give any reason why they believe that. Like, what? One, two, three, break! So, Monday, April 8th, 1912, Mary Cates is found with her throat cut and her body mutilated. Monday, April 15th, 1912, near the Chattahoochee Brick Company, 
Under the Southern Railroad Bridge, a black female that's unknown is found with her throat cut. Saturday, May 11, 1912, at Atlanta Avenue and Fraser Street, another unknown black female is found stabbed in the throat twice, one going through her jugular vein. Ugh. But it's still stabbed, not slit. Still stabbed, not slit. Uh, August 10th, 1912, Henry Brown is arrested for the killing of Eva Florence. But she was killed like a year before this, right? Um, he's arrested after his wife tells on him. She says that he came home that night wearing bloody clothing. Um, and he actually came home two weekends in a row wearing bloody clothing. What? So, like, arrest him. (coughs) He is chained to a chair and beat in the head until he finally confesses. What if he didn't do it? Well, he gets acquitted on October 18th. What? He testifies that he suffers from hallucinations, and they say because he had been chained to the chair and beaten that he would have confessed to anything at that point. So this is the end of all the murders that are officially linked to the case. But they don't stop there. There are multiple other murders, including Tuesday, February 11th, 1913, <coughs> at Fair and Christian Street, a young black woman is found with cuts to the face, throat slashed, and bruising around her head and chest. March 1913, Laura Smith is found with her throat cut, and she was also a servant, which is one of the things that is a common theme. In 1917, or no, March of 1914, firefighters find notes on multiple mailboxes within the city that threaten to cut the throats of all Negro women. What? Right? Um, 1917, <coughs> there are three women found that match the killing style. 1918, there's one. 1919, there's one. And 1924, there are three more women found that match the killing style. Oh, my gosh. So, a lot of murders were actually committed during this time where the person that killed the woman tried to make it seem like they were killed by the Atlanta Ripper. And when I tell you a lot, there was, like, a page, like, multiple. So, everybody thought, if I'm going to kill somebody, I'm going to make it look like right? the Ripper. I'm going to make it look like away it was the it. Ripper. So, I'm going to get away with it. But they did not get away with it. Good. So, all those people were arrested. That's a different murder cast. But let's talk about the investigation and the problems with it. One, they didn't care. I can't say they didn't care. They were understaffed, not equipped to work this many investigations. Mm-hmm. But also because... Of the racism mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. They're not investigated like it would have been had it been white women being murdered. Right. Um, also, you remember the corner that we talked about? Yeah. Paul Donahue? Guess what? What? Legally blind. Can't see. What? So being blind, he has to rely on the descriptions of other people. Other <gasps> people that are not the corner. So they may have tainted views. Like they may right. they may miss evidence. They may not understand what they're even seeing. Like blind blind. Like, how are you a corner? How are you a corner? Not I'll only that, him. but he graduated from Atlanta Law School in nineteen eleven, but he never has a formal degree in medicine, which is not a requirement. But usually people that are corners have some form of medical background, like EMTs, paramedics, nurses, doctors, something of the sort. He graduated from law school. I mean, at least he knows the laws. I don't know. But he can't see the victims. So <laughs> he claimed that all of the killings were the work of one man. Like, first of all, you can't see him. You right. don't know. Many people believe that because he said that, police focused in on it being one person. So remember when some of the men were arrested and then other killings happened? Mm-hmm. It's possible that one of those men mm-hmm. was one of the Atlanta Rippers and that there were multiple Rippers. Like it was like a gang of. Yeah, like okay. it wasn't one person. Like it was two people, three people, something like that. Right. Um, it was and a group. Because they were in jail, they were like, oh, he, he couldn't have done any of these murders, right? Mm-hmm. Also, the community is pissed. Yeah. Not just because of the murders, but because the only men that they're arresting are black. Yeah. They're like, hey, white people can commit murders. Yeah. So, like, maybe we should investigate some of them, too. But the eyewitnesses that we do have, the woman that ran back and her employee ran after her attacker, mm-hmm. the um, woman that mom her mom was killed, they all say that it was black men. Uh-huh. Also, it's a black community. Mm-hmm. I would think that if it had been a white man or a white woman, because women can kill people too, 
that at some point they would have been seen. Right. Because these murders happen like every weekend. So it's probably more likely that the murder was actually a black man or a black woman. Who knows? All of these victims are found near a railroad, though. So it's believed that the killer didn't live in Atlanta, but worked on the railroad. But they, okay, sorry. They believe that he came into town on the weekend. So, like, his work brought him into town on the weekend. He killed all the women on a Saturday. Towards the end of the murders, they get killed on a Monday. So that would have meant that his schedule changed. Therefore, his... They didn't look at schedules and, like, who's on what and do it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How fucking irritating. Yeah. Police had a hard time investigating because of all the looky-loos and things like that. Yeah. They're also understaffed. They are not getting a lot of cooperation from the black communities. Well, because they don't trust them. Well, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I'm not saying that the people of the community don't trust the police at this point. Like, I I completely understand that. Of course they don't. You're not doing shit. Well, they did do some stuff. So, they increased all their patrols in the area. Which they didn't like. Okay. Because they wanted black patrol officers, not white. Which I understand that. I mean, I get it. Yeah. And because nobody was murdered, like, in the same place twice, it was always random areas. So, they didn't have, like, one certain spot to focus their Mm -hmm. investigation on. Anytime police made any sort of arrest, there was public outcry and they were called racist because they had arrested a black man. So then, mm. you know, we don't want to arrest anyone because... We don't want to cause problems. problems. But they did arrest a ton of people. Mm-hmm. More people that we didn't <laughs> list. It said that black women were scared to go out at night for fear of being murdered. And black yeah. men were scared to go out at night for fear of being arrested. Right. Other departments around the country offered to help with this investigation. But the mayor of Atlanta was embarrassed and declined. And was like... What? Yeah, he was like, nah, Atlanta is so great, and our police department can handle it. No, they can't. And they were no, like, they no, they can't. No, we would like help. And he's like, no, no help. We can't have I any I would help. say, excuse me, sir, like, are you on the field right now? Are you out on the field right now? Right. Get us some fucking help. You don't know we, shit. Go sit in your would, office. We would like the help. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what? But they arrested so many men for these murders. Mm-hmm. None of them are ever found guilty. So, my murders are all still unsolved. Henderson. You think it was Henderson? He's one of them. I think he's one of them. Like, the stab in the neck, one person. Slit to the throat, another person. Starts removing the shoes, third person. Yeah. Right? Or, you know, like... they Gunshots, next person. They do evolve. They each have their own little... Yeah. So, that's the story. And I want to thank Lori... Johnson, who wrote the Unsolved Ripper case, because I got a lot of my information from her. She kind of weeded out a lot of the other ones. Right. Right. Well, that's interesting. Now I want to go, like, follow that. Like, I want to solve it. But Too late. Well, that was good. I liked it. Yeah. So, if you have any recommendations for our next murder cast, please let us know. Also, please uh, go rate, review, subscribe. All the shenanigans. Leave us a review, guys. We were kind of sad this time around. Yeah. Special thanks to Dead Crow Defense. Shop online at deadcrowdefense.com. They carry tasers, pepper spray, t-shirts, hats, and even dad visors. Woohoo. All orders ship out the next day. And if you need a custom order, just email sales at deadcrowdefense.com use the code jjam at checkout for 10% off items don't get your ass murdered shop at dead crow defense thank you for joining us again um another thing we want to point out real quick is check out our patreon y'all we do um extra episodes every month and maybe more than one a month. Like, you don't know us. We might. We might have a little fun with it. Might, we might get frisky. You can go to www.patreon.com slash cast For just a dollar a month, you can be friend-zoned. We truly love and appreciate you. We're just not in love with you. Uh, thank you for your love and support, and you get our love. That's it. You don't get anything else. Just our love and appreciation. <laughs> uh, for $5 a month, you can be part of our Friends with Benefits. You get officially, or you're officially out of the friend zone. Time for you to get some. Get so some. Here's your sticker. sticker. No need for a walk of shame. So you get our love and your sticker, guys. Yay. For $10 a month, we can be Facebook official. Whoop. Well, we can't believe we've gotten this far. It's time to let everyone know our love for each other with a shout out at the end of the podcast. Thank you, Candy Marchman. Mm-hmm. 
just to prove our love, we will also send you a monthly bonus episode. Yeah. You get our love, you get a sticker, you get a shout out, and you get monthly bonus episodes. Yay! But y'all, there's more. There's more. $25 a month. Yes. Uh, We can be happily married. Happily married. We meet the parents and everything, and all that's left is for us to shower you with gifts. Get you some. Y'all, you get your love, or our love, the shout out at the end of our podcast, the monthly bonus episodes, a sticker, a mug, a t-shirt, and a poster. And a poster. (laughs) So go to www.patreon.com slash justanothermurdercast, and you can check out everything on there. Like we said, if you have any recommendations, just let us know. We appreciate y'all so much. Please leave reviews. We need more to talk about next week. We love you and... Bye. Bye.